0: College football fans, welcome into the show tonight. Another episode of Sonny and Semenza. Unfortunately, uh, Sonny, Jay Halter, cannot be with us tonight. He had some work obligations. So uh, our own Bubba Rosenbaum is going to be filling in for Sonny tonight. Hopefully, Bubba, hopefully you can make some good picks. What do you think, buddy?
1: No doubt. Looking forward to talking some college football. And, uh definitely have some good games to discuss this week and some pretty challenging picks.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, pirate fans, I want to welcome in and give a, a, a special welcome to, uh, to my former coach, Jeff Connors, who, uh, you know, I, I played for coach, uh, 25 years ago. I'll still run through a brick wall for this guy tonight and, uh, coach, Thank you very much for uh, for joining us and uh, welcome to the show. How's everything going?
2: Everything's going great in my world. I'm really happy to be on the show. It's a little bit different than uh, my podcast, so uh, changed it up a little bit. Makes my life a little more exciting. So I'm ready to roll.
0: Absolutely guys, we got some some very difficult games this week. Um, you know, obviously it's uh, it's getting late in the season. Hard to believe it's going by so fast and there's what three or four weeks left and uh starting to get deep into conference play and and rivalries, some good rivalry games this week. Uh the weather is definitely changing up north here. It's getting very cold. You're starting to see some snow and some sleet so uh that will certainly have an impact on a lot of these games but uh you know nonetheless guys we have five really good ones five really good ones this week I had a really hard time picking them when I was doing some research earlier but uh hey let's go ahead and and, uh, have some fun with it and see what we can do um Bubba do you want to throw up the uh the season records up on the screen
1: Yeah, taking a look at the season records. Um we have Jay Sunhalter. Um he is there we go, um, twenty twenty one and one. And then Matt, you were 21, 20 and twenty-and-one. So we're down to the final month and uh very, very close right now.
0: So you can see by that, Coach C, we're not exactly blowing it out of the <laughs> out of the park. But uh you know, uh, one thing I'll say is, like, we we try to find the toughest games of the week, you know, so yeah. we're not, like, just looking for, like, gimmies. We're trying to find the toughest, best games of the week. So we're both sitting right around 500. Um, Sunhalter's making a little bit of a run on me in recent weeks, but we'll see what we can do this week. So not, uh, not too bad. But, uh, well Coach- The reason,
2: uh, the reason I, I have never been a betting man is because I know too much – about football in that I believe that passion and emotion matters. And I believe that that's why we have what is referred to as upsets frequently in college football. Um, you know, because the men and a lot of the other factors are big issues as well, but, uh, a lot of people, if they could really uh, understand the mentality of football, week in week out, and what teams show up week in and week out with the same level of passion and emotion for the game, uh, I think those things really make a difference.
0: No doubt about it, Coach. And you know, you were—I mean, how many times in your career at East Carolina were you an underdog? You know, a major underdog in a game where you know your team was able to be on the uh you know the victorious side because of those exact things you just talked about i mean i'm guessing probably 20 25 wins you were a part of at ecu we were we were probably a heavy a heavy underdog right
2: well i mean i know i know i was i think it's exactly the power 5 wins that we uh, that i was able to be on the sideline were, i think it's 35 and uh, very proud of those wins because I would say probably in ninety percent of them we were the dog. So uh, uh, you know, and uh, I don't think that's an exaggeration, but I think that that mentality, of course, uh, which we we all re- will remember, I'll, I will treasure the rest of my life because I think it was such a unique and special time in the history of a program. Um, yeah, I'll never quit talking. um, Because it was the mentality of the players and the leadership uh, that really was the key to us having so much success. Um, I don't know, probably more than any of us who coached. I I mean, I I just think that the guys that stepped on the field had so much and, uh, and, and really invested so much in their preparation year round, uh, those things, you know, are, are priceless.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. Well, I, you know, I always tell everybody that, um, you know, you know, personally coach you had as much of an impact on East Carolina football as any coach that's, that's ever come through that program. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you. Uh, all the guys do, I'm sure. And uh, it's, 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 uh, it's great looking back, and it's always great catching up with you. And, uh, you know, as, as we go into this show, after we go through these games, we're going to touch a little bit on the ECU two lane game coming up this weekend. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, but before we do, hey, let's get into it, fellas. Let's get into it. Here we go. Um, Bubba, you want to throw the first game up on the screen? All right, Coach C. So we have the Texas Longhorns, number seven in the country. They are seven and one, Um, playing number 23, Kansas State at six and two. Um, Let's see. It is the Texas Longhorns are a four point favorite. This is a tough one. I'll go ahead and get started with this one, fellas. This is a really tough one for me because there are reports that Texas's quarterback Quinn Ewers might not be able to play in this game. He's got an injury to his shoulder, I believe. And so depending on which reports you you read, he may or may not play, but really impressed with this Kansas State team. You know, they kind of quietly under the radar are six and two and having a great year. Um, number 15 in the country in total offense. And when you look at them, coach and Bubba, they're very balanced. They run the ball for 226 yards a game and they pass for 238 a game. So very balanced, presents a lot of challenges for for the defenses that they play against. And then, you know, here's Texas, you know, with a chance to, uh, you know, maybe crash the playoff party at some point this year if they can continue their winning ways. Um, Tough game for me. It's in Texas, um, but the line is four. And I do think, you know, either team could win. I could see Texas winning this by a field goal so i'm gonna go kansas state guys to cover the four they might not win but i do think they'll you know they'll cover the point spread so um let me i'll kick it over to you bubba what are your thoughts on this one
1: as you said uh, kansas state has really been on a roll the last two weeks they have uh, outscored opponents uh, those opponents being tcu and houston Uh, they have Outscored them 82-3 to uh, in, there in Manhattan. And uh, prior to that, they had a solid win, 38-21 down in Lubbock. Uh, not the easiest place to go and win, uh, especially by that margin. So they they really seem uh, to be clicking on all cylinders. Um, that is, obviously, um, the X factor for Texas um, with, with Quinn Ewers and you know, whether he'll be back or not. Um, you know, what I was seeing is that a grade two AC joint sprain, for the redshirt sophomore quarterback uh, on his throwing shoulder, um, this one not really knowing his status. I think if he if he doesn't play, I like K State. Uh, if if Ewers does play, then I'd probably lean toward the Longhorns. So, uh, uh, not knowing, uh, I, I'll go with K State as well.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, good pick, Coach C. What do you think about this one?
2: Well, it's kind of like uh, <clears throat> I'm very flattered here, and I told you that I I spoke at about two or three nights out in Las Vegas, but I I never even gamble, so uh, <laughs> I'm not a big betting man. Uh, I didn't even play a slot machine when I was out there, but uh, uh, a few things here. So when I was at Carolina, uh, we played at Texas. It was either my first or second year there. I don't remember. We played Texas. At, and that's a very tough place to play. I can tell you that. Uh, so I do remember the atmosphere. And, uh, Uh, My question is, uh, what's up with Arch Manning? Is he not at Texas?
0: So he's at Texas. Um, I believe he's redshirting this year. I I know, Bubba, you probably know more about this than I do. I believe he's going to redshirt, correct? Is that the plan? He got a huge NIL deal, I want to say. Probably, I'm guessing he got over a million dollars to go there, probably several million what, what, what do you think
1: there? I know a week ago um, you had Malik Murphy. Um, you know he was playing in Ewers' absence. In, well, that's in, the freshman, right? There was a week.
2: Is that
1: correct? Uh, I'm not sure his class. You're probably correct. He six five, two hundred and forty pounder out of Inglewood, California. And last week against BYU in that thirty five to six victory. Uh, He was 16 out of 25, 170 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Hmm. Okay.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a tough call. Um, And I'm sure the situation uh, has an impact. uh, Hasn't been determined yet. Is that correct?
0: Hasn't been determined, but um, it looks like the line has stayed put a little bit. I'm guessing if – just my opinion on this one, I'm guessing if he wasn't going to play, the line would probably drop a little bit. But uh, as as far as I know, it still kind of sounds like it's a 50-50 type deal. Yeah. So that's what makes this one so hard.
1: Yeah. As of two days ago, it says – and this is from hook'emheadlines.com – It said there is still optimism that he'll return for the Longhorns before the regular season finale on November 24th. Mm -hmm. So the way and it says it said Murphy will start a second consecutive game for the Longhorns against K State. So uh, with that being said, um, yeah, I'll I'll stick with the Wildcats.
0: Yeah, that definitely helps out. That definitely helps out. So yeah. yeah, looks like we're gonna get the backup coach.
2: Well, I'm going to say that Texas is going to be aware of the situation with their quarterback, and uh, the rest of the team is going to rise up and take up the slack and come away with the victory. So I'm I'm going to pick Texas on this one.
0: The horn. See, this is why I wanted Coach C on this show, Bubba, because he brings a whole different perspective, right? (laughs) And. You know, it's funny. I mean, I know you mentioned, coach, that you you're not a gambler. You never have been. And, you know, uh, it's funny. Like I guess even had you wanted to for, you know, the it would have, you know, you couldn't because it would have been against NCAA rules. But now, uh, now in retirement, we're happy to have you on this show. We can actually talk about it, not have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh there you go. good pick. I like it. I like it. Bubba, what did uh what did Sonny pick? Do you know what Sonny picked on this one? We should uh get his pick up.
1: Yeah, give me one moment, so I'll get that for you. Yeah, no problem. And uh so yeah, that's that's gonna Jay, be it. Jay took took Texas. So so we're two and two. All right, so Jay and Coach C have
0: hook 'em horns. All right. Good stuff. What do we have next, Bubba?
1: Let's go to Stillwater, and um, we'll be seeing Bedlam for the last time until who knows when. As number nine Oklahoma, coming off that loss at Kansas, Sooners seven and one, taking on twenty-second ranked ranked Oklahoma State six and two. The Cowboys a five and a half point dog to the Sooners, and you know Oklahoma State they really struggled early in the year offensively, but they've uh, on the other hand, really figured it out in recent weeks and have been playing some very good football. This is a 330 kickoff on ABC. So Bob, why don't you kick us off here with
0: your uh, with your take on this game? Who do you have here?
1: Well, on this one, uh, you know, with it being in Stillwater, um, does make it a little more challenging in my opinion with Oklahoma. You know, coming off that loss at Kansas, obviously they're doing everything they can to, to get back on, on the winning track. And then and then this is Bedlam. Um, so that goes without saying, you know, both of these teams are going to be locked in. And Oklahoma headed to the SEC. So, like I said, who knows when Bedlam will occur again. I think I'll take Oklahoma State in the, the points.
0: All right. I like it. I like it. You know, uh, Oklahoma guys, they surprised me a few weeks back when they beat Texas. Um, I I did not expect them to win this game. And then I think that they got a little, maybe, maybe a little too high off that win, coach. And they had a little letdown against Kansas, um, which is certainly a game that I think they should have won. But, you know, to your point earlier, anybody can win on any given Saturday. Um, but I think that's a wake up call for Oklahoma. I'm guessing they coaching staff probably dialed them back in and practice this week. They're looking for a huge bounce back game. Uh, you know, obviously a huge in state rivalry here. And uh, there was a stat I think, Bubby, you may have yeah. mentioned earlier this year that they've played like you know over a hundred times. And what what was that stat? If you could share that,
1: this game will be the 118th meeting of in Bedlam. And it's crazy. I I knew Oklahoma had dominated the series. I was expecting, you know, a few years ago when I checked this stat to see what the series record was, I thought the Sooners had probably won 65 to 70% of the games. And they have certainly done that and then some. 91 wins, 19 losses, and seven ties. Hmm. So, So just total domination by the Crimson and Cream.
0: Yeah, so, you know, with that said, again, I think Oklahoma's going to have a big bounce-back week. I'm guessing coming off that loss, they, you know, the coaching staff probably got on them pretty hard, got them focused. So I'm going with the Sooners, guys, to take care of business at Oklahoma State. Coach C., what do you think on this one?
2: Never coached at Oklahoma State. I know the strength coach, Uh, I did coach at Oklahoma. I think we opened with them my first year at Carolina. So uh, I have been there, and uh, you know that's a pretty exciting play. Uh, Yeah, Oklahoma—they got a knot jerked in their ass all week. Yeah. So uh, you know they—they got to get back on track. Coach has got a good defensive mind, from what I remember. So uh, I'm looking for them to come out and hit the rival in the mouth, uh, even though they're playing at Oklahoma State, correct? Correct. So, uh, yeah, I just think that it probably been working really hard this week, and uh, I think they're going to be on point. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma.
0: Here we go Sooners. Here we go Sooners, Bubba. Here we go. Here we go. We got – and we got some comments too.
1: Yeah, Johnny Robertson, Jr. chiming in on Facebook. Appreciate that. Johnny, um, he says Cowboys running back. Ollie Gordon has 859 yards and eight touchdowns in their last three games and that the Oklahoma defense is dealing with some injuries.
0: Okay. Okay. That's – See, Johnny Robertson is coach. I don't know if you know Johnny Robertson, but he he brings like incredible stats and and uh information to the show. Like he finds these stats that I don't even know about half the time. So <laughs> as usual, Johnny, we appreciate that, man. Um now I feel worse about my pick though, because you're telling me the Sooners defense has a lot of injuries. So I don't know. But uh and then we got we got James, right, Bubba? We got a comment from James.
1: Yeah, Kyle's friend James from uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, says give him Oklahoma State that he thinks Mike Gundy in this uh, Bedlam matchup. Like I said, who knows when it will occur again. Um, the Texas, Texas A&M rivalry has been dormant for several years and due to Texas A&M uh, moving into the SEC, but that will obviously you know, be occurring once again, uh, I guess beginning next year. But uh, James says give him the Cowboys.
2: Yeah.
0: I like it. A lot of good takes here. A lot of a lot of back and forth. That's good stuff. Um, Coach C, you know, since you mentioned, before we get into the next game here, you know, I know you've, over your career, you've had a chance to play in probably just about every conference, uh, a million stadiums. Is there one stadium, you know, when you think back on it, is, do you have a favorite stadium? That you just like really enjoyed playing at the most? Is there one that sticks out?
2: Uh well of course at ECU, my first time around, we uh and that was kind of a uh a wake up call to to, to see what it felt like uh with a hundred thousand people in the stadium. Uh that was quite
0: did you say Tennessee? It broke up there. I couldn't hear you. Yeah, you-
2: Tennessee. Oh. Okay. Yeah, beautiful you know, stadium. And that that was a great one. Even though you know, I mean, I thought that uh, the Pirates gave them a pretty good game with regard to you know, comparatively the talent and so forth uh, that year. But uh, that was very. Important. It's the first time I ever was in a stadium that was that that large, but yeah. Uh, um. My first, kind uh, of, we we beat Clemson at Clemson. Uh, I think it was like thirty-one to ten. You know, had some great seniors, Julius Peppers, Ronald Curry. You know, a lot of great seniors that year. And uh, also, the people. You know, my first year at ECU, we won the Peach Bowl. My first year at Carolina, we beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Hmm. Uh, so that was that was pretty special for me as well. You know that experience um, in that stadium. Uh, so uh, yeah, I've I've had some some crazy experiences. Uh, the the chant at Wisconsin, uh, I won't repeat what it was, but that was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, you we were filming online, on in at halftime. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, those, those are some of, of, you know, of course, um, you know, the stadium at Carolina uh, was pretty special at times. Uh, and the, the, the biggest memory I have there, because I'm from, you know, right in West Virginia, I played ball at school in West Virginia. My family are a bunch of coal miners. Uh, so uh, Bobby Bowden's team, 41 to seven at Carolina, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of special for me. And uh, because I'm Irish, uh, playing at Notre Dame was also special and beating Notre Dame at Carolina was special. so I'll stop there.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, Notre Dame is kind of like it's on my bucket list to get out there for a game. I, yeah. I try to get to a game every year, like try to take in a new stadium, something different. And uh, yeah, I, I just like I really like I love the tradition in college football and Notre, that stadium in South Bend has a ton of tradition. And uh, that's a place I really want to get to. But one one of the yeah. stadiums I really love playing at was um, something about. Uh, Williams Bryce Stadium in South Carolina. I really like that stadium. It's just yeah. a beautiful stadium. And, like, you know, you had the hedges all around the field. And, uh, you know, as you know, coach, I mean, your your team's had a lot of success there. It's just a fun place to play. So that that one, for me as a player, that one always kind of jumps out. I, I always enjoyed that. Well, Matt, that
2: you Steve certainly had. Have... Uh, I was just going to say one. Well, I walked out with Steve Love for him to shake Lou holtz's hand you know and uh, Steve having a victory over over Lou holtz was real special uh, for him, special for all of us. so and of course that was hurricane season as well. so we know we know all about that year, but that that was very special.
0: yeah, I think you won in that stadium what three or four times, right? as a coach. Uh, I know you won there at least three times with ECU, right?
2: 10 years at ECU, South Carolina, five times. And I can't remember, I know it was at least two times there, so
1: maybe three 92, 90, 94, 96, and 99. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. That's that's a good one. I'm sick, coach. I'm sick. No, uh, in ninety four, and that was obviously the game where Mark Crandall and company lit him up uh, fifty six points. And yeah. then uh, that, that game in ninety six was when Scott Harley ran for two hundred and ninety one yards and we beat him twenty six seven and it really wasn't that close. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that yep. game was over at halftime, I remember. I think I think it poured rain in the second half, if I remember. Oh yeah.
1: It, it was, it, there was a downpour. And then it was funny, Matt, the, the Gamecock fans under the, the, or I guess it was the club level, or at least, you know, the the hangover there where they, they were nice and dry, you know, and, the, and us pirates, we were enjoying it. And uh, you know we were just glancing up in their direction. We weren't even saying anything and, and they were shooting us the bird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember
2: one other game down there, uh, you probably will remember it better than me where we fumbled inside the five-yard line like about three oh, times. Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah, instead of the red zone, we were calling it the twilight zone.
2: Yeah, so that should have been a victory as well.
1: Yeah. What a what a day for Zay that day. What, 20, 21, 22 catches? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> mm, unbelievable. That's a hell of a day. That's a career for some guys right there, but – uh <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. I uh, appreciate your thoughts on that, Coach. Bubba, what's what's the next game?
1: We're going down between the hedges. Um, Eli Drinklets and the Missouri Tigers ranked 12th, a 7-1 start. And then you have Georgia. You know They had some doubters going into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, but they put it on the Gators 43-20 to 20 last week in Jacksonville, and they are a 15-and-a-half point favorite. In a game, it's a 3.30 Eastern kick on CBS. This
0: this is a tough one just because of the line. I mean, I think Georgia, I feel pretty confident Georgia is going to win the game because I, I still think, I don't think they're number two. I think they're number one. And for me, when I look at Georgia guys, they're the national champion. Somebody's going to have to beat them to, to take them out of that number one spot because I think when... When push comes to shove, Georgia is the best team in the country. I really believe that. I think they have the most talent. I think they're the most complete team. So, you know, but I, I really like what Missouri's doing at 7-1, and one, um, playing really good football. They've been very consistent throughout the year. You know, I think Georgia is going to win, but I do think Missouri – is going to keep this game right around striking distance, like around like 14 points, you know, from anywhere from 10 to 14 points. So because the line is 15 and a half, I'm going to say Missouri covers the spread, but they don't win the game. So I'm going to go with Mizzou fellas. And uh coach C, I'll kick it to you. What do you think about this one? And, and we do have a, you know uh you, one of your former players and a, and a colleague as a coach uh David Blackwell who pirate fans will will know is now coaching down at Missouri so you know wishing him well uh in this game
2: well uh david i think is he a defensive analyst there now or i'm not really sure what his position is
1: uh but that sounds I'm, correct I'll, I'll confirm that
2: OK, uh, well, I'm excited for David that he there and he can experience this year at Missouri because it's been a very special year for them. Uh, reminds me, actually, of some of the years we had at ECU, you know, where uh, the excitement, the passion, the fan base uh, just gets really cranked up and uh, you, you, you have that momentum. Uh, which I think is very important moving into the next game and uh, really believing in your team and having everybody on your team believe uh, you know, just the power of agreement is extremely important. And uh, I think that's what they have right now. I enjoy watching them play because they play with so much passion and emotion and, uh, uh, camaraderie within the team, of course. And, you know, winning week to week breeds that. It makes it even stronger. And that's what I'm talking about with momentum. Uh, so, and I think that's big college football. Uh, so, uh, 15 and a half points is a lot. Yeah. Um, I believe that Georgia's is going to win the game just because they're so powerful uh, from top to bottom. Uh, But at the same time, I feel the same way about the spread. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to beat the spread at 15 and a half. And I I think Missouri is going to come prepared. They're going to play with emotion. They're going to hit you in the mouth. Tackle, they're going to run to the ball. Uh, They're going to be some dog soldiers out there. So uh, uh, I got to take Missouri as well.
0: I like it. I like it. Mizzou, Bubba,
1: we got. Last year, uh, Georgia had a very close call in Columbia. It was a game that uh, yeah, many, many folks, uh, I guess it was their closest call in the, in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. It, it, it was a game that they trailed by multiple scores uh, and uh, found a way to win it. I think last week, you know, a lot of folks, you know, being without Brock Bowers, You know, in that rivalry matchup, a lot of folks were taking Florida. And uh, definitely a hat tip to Eli Drinkwitz, and they have a very potent offense. They have struggled to stop people. And uh, no Georgia, and this sounds crazy to say, you know, compared to some, they're not necessarily the most explosive offensively. But uh, I just think, I think in this one, I think it could be close, but I, I'll go ahead and take the dogs to barely cover that at home. I think it will be a cover late in the game. I agree with you guys that uh, I don't think Missouri's going to go in there and get blown out by any means, but I could see Georgia scoring late uh, to win this one uh, by by 17 or something.
0: All right. Good pick, man. And we have a comment from James. Uh, let's see. James says, give me Georgia. They're just dominant on defense. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I could, you know, it's hard to go against that. I mean, uh, like I said, I think they're the best team in the country, so I could, I could see this one going either way. Uh, for those of you who who don't know, James is a Southern Miss guy. So, so, uh, James is down in Mississippi. He, he, he's a big Southern Miss guy. So we appreciate your comments, uh, tonight, James, thanks for chiming in. Um, but you know, a funny, a funny thing. There's an old saying in, in sports that I, when it comes to college football, I kind of d- disagree with it a little bit. People always say, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmies and the Joe's. But I think in college football, it's about both because I think in really it, more than any other sport, pro college basketball, whatever you're looking at. I think coaching in college football can create a huge advantage. Good coaching, good play calling, good preparation. So you got to have both. You got to have the Jimmies and the Joes, but you also have to have the X's and the O's. And, um, you know, I think, you know, when you look at both of these teams right now, both very well coached. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. I mean, a lot of talent on that field, but, I guess we'll see how it goes guys. This is a three thirty game on CBS. So it's uh it's going to be a fun one to watch. So we'll see what happens.
1: Following that one up on, on CBS, Matt, uh, we'll be 14th ranked LSU. You and I were talking about their offense and just how potent they are um, earlier this afternoon. And they are, you know, being 14th and despite those two losses, if the stars align and they're able to to run the table, um, and that obviously starts this Saturday, 745 Eastern kick on CBS in Tuscaloosa against seven and one Alabama.
0: Yeah, this is gonna be a hell of a game. Uh coach, you'll you'll be you might be surprised by this. I when I was doing some research today, I was checking out, you know, trying to see top offenses in the country, top defense. I was surprised to find out LSU is number one in the country in offense right now. Yeah. Number one in the country. They 553 yards a game. These guys are averaging. I mean, that is really impressive. They seem to score at will, you know, they run the ball for 212 per game. They throw it for 340 a game. I mean, this is a potent offense, absolutely potent. Um, which is different from for Brian Kelly coming from Notre Dame. You didn't really think of him as a a dynamic offensive coach, but I I think he's just getting better talent down at LSU. But um, I think when you look at them, their issue is a little bit on the defensive side because as good as they are offensively, they give up a ton of points defensively. So this is going to be an interesting matchup and, you know, Alabama at home, three-point favorite it's it's hard to ever bet against alabama at home especially with saban but um i just have a sneaky feeling guys that lsu because of the, the amount of points they score and explosive offense i think they're gonna i think they're gonna uh pull an upset here so uh might surprise you i'm gonna take the lsu tigers money line to win the game just win it outright so uh, i'll go tigers what do you think of that? Bubba, we'll kick this one over to you next. What do you what do you think there?
1: Let's see. Uh you know, earlier this year, I'm trying to remember I think it was the Ole Miss game. Uh, you know, Ole Miss went into Tuscaloosa and I wanna say the Rebels were a six and a half point favorite, if I'm not mistaken. But nonetheless, yep. they, they they lost the game and after leading at halftime, Alabama really did what they needed to do in the second half. And that's that's the thing. Uh, you know, Alabama has struggled to put two halves together. That game, they played well in the second half against Arkansas. They jumped out to a about a three-touchdown lead or 21-3 and then had to hold on for dear life. So um, definitely we we'll need to play a more complete game to take down LSU. But with the game being in Tuscaloosa, I don't know – I just have to I think Bama will find a way to get it done. So it's it's hard hard to go against hard to go against the Crimson Tide there at Bryant Denny.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. This is uh this is definitely a tough, tough pick. So uh good points. I can't argue with any of that. Coach C, what do you think about this one?
2: I think Alabama's still a powerhouse to be dealt with. Um uh, <clears throat> probably what sways my opinion more than anything else is the uh, the quarterback at LSU um, I've watched a couple of their games and uh, guys really special and I think that uh, you know he's gonna do well in the league in the future at some point as well but uh, yeah I got a few here. Um, I just think that uh, they're going to step up to the plate. They're going to score enough points to win. And uh, you know, I think physically they match up pretty well with Alabama uh, because they're a power. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking for them. Even even though it's at Alabama, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's in Tuscaloosa. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that makes a difference too, but I'm still going to go with LA. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Alright, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, this is um you know, obviously a big game for both teams. I mean, w- with two losses, you're essentially out of the playoff, you know. So Alabama at 7 and 1, if they lose this game, they're they're pretty much eliminated from from playoff contention this year. So it's going to be an intense game. I, I you know, but uh, I think Alabama this year is a is a better defensive team than they are offensive. They don't score as many points. And then, you know, like you were saying, you look at that quarterback for LSU, Coach. He's a dynamic athlete. He can do it all. So, yeah, we, we agree. We'll go with the Tigers on that one. Um, we got some comments here. What's up, Stevie? Thanks for chiming in, man. Uh, Stevie, what do you have on this one? What do you have? And then we got Johnny Robertson. Johnny, how you doing? I agree. Looking forward to a great game with the Tigers pulling it out. So yeah, um, you know, cer- certainly can't go wrong with picking LSU or Alabama on this one. So looking forward to it. Um, Bubba, what do we have next?
1: Let's head out west into the Coliseum where 20th ranked USC, and despite their defensive struggles. They've just lost one game in the Pac-12 and still very much right there in the thick of the hunt. Hosting number five, Washington, who's, who's also struggled to a lesser degree defensively in recent weeks. Huskies 8-0, found a way to get it done at home against Oregon. What a game that was. Huskies a three-and-a-half point favorite at the Coliseum, 7:30 Eastern kickoff on ABC.
0: Ooh, another, another tough one, another tough one. You know, I'll start off with this one. You know, here's the thing about USC and really, I I really like Lincoln Riley. I think he had a lot of success in Greenville offensively, but the one thing about that style of offense, and it seems like it kind of follows him, not necessarily even Lincoln, but when you look at that style of offense, that, that air raid, you give up a lot of points defensively because you, you know, your defense doesn't get a ton of rest. You know, they score quick. The defense comes right back on the field. So like you look at USC this year, incredible offense. I mean, they can score 50 on anybody if they're having a good day, but they're giving up way too many points. I mean, they have to be giving up 38 points a game. Um, You know, if you look at them defensively, this is hard to believe with USC's talent, All the talent they get out there. They have everything in the world at their disposal. NIL money, you know, they're in a great conference. They have a ton of revenue. They have history. But they're 114th in the country in total defense. And that is not a good recipe considering Washington is number five in offense. You know, Washington averages 500 yards a game in offense, guys. So that's a bad recipe. Uh, for USC this week I think Washington is gonna put it on them pretty good so I'll go with the huskies to uh to not only cover but I think they're gonna they're gonna put it put a beat down on USC what do you think about this one uh we'll, we'll go to you next coach what do you what do you think about this one here
2: well I coached with Lincoln Riley here. I don't know, half a dozen years or more. I don't, I don't know what it was, but, uh, you know, I really have a ton of respect for Lincoln as a strategist. And I think he learned his lesson and, uh, that's been proven pretty much through his career as far as his ability to score points. Um, at the same time, as a head coach, I don't see Lincoln Riley as Genghis Khan. And, uh, you know, I think he's got a chink in his armor sometimes. Uh, I think it was Tulane that beat him last year at the bowl. Was that correct?
1: That's right. Cotton Bowl.
2: Yeah. So, and then uh, – I've heard a little bit of crying going on here recently. Did I read somewhere that he was sick? He was physically sick. Ill? I don't know.
0: I, I did hear something about that. We, I think he had to – I, I think I read that he missed practice maybe a few days because he had something – go, some kind of health condition going on. I'm not sure. They didn't really specify, though, what it was. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and uh, they've been hammering his strength coach for some reason. I, I don't know why, but uh, some somebody's on that guy hard, uh, Benny Wiley. I know Benny, of course, uh, and their guy at uh, Texas Tech. Uh, that was uh, Ruff's guy and Lincoln's guy. I think he was at Texas. That's probably why they didn't bring him to ECU when they first came there. I don't know. Uh, but uh, – I have been to Washington with the East Carolina Pirates. That was a long trip. And uh, we had to play Chris Hester that day at quarterback. I don't know if he was a second or third team guy. I can't remember who all was hurt. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, it was a tough day for us that day because they were extremely talented as well. Um, That tailback, I mean, yeah, they were talented from top to bottom. Was oh, that Napoleon Pauline. Kaufman? Was that was that Napoleon yeah, yeah. Kaufman? Kaufman? Yeah. My that god. Was a, he was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. The way that game was up, uh, the way that game unfolded, it was very much kind of like our Michigan game this year where we played very well defensively, probably even better defensively that day. You know, um, that was I guess what Larry Courier's one year before he went to the went back to the NFL or went to the NFL if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, he did, I mean, he, did he, he did a heck of a job. You
2: know, Yeah, even though, uh, you know, we had some issues, of course, on offense, Uh, Larry, that was his year, you know, at ECU, um, defense the whole year. I think it was the same year we played Kentucky, right?
1: At Kentucky? Yes, sir. We lost six to three. Six to three. And Kentucky went to the Peach Bowl that year.
2: Yeah, Yeah, we played good defense all year. No question. Uh, but, yeah, the uh, – and I know the strength coach at Washington, I think he's – he does a great job. Um, yeah, because I see – I just feel like there's some issues right now at Southern Cal and, you know, the, the way that uh, the, all the different weapons that Washington has, I mean, I, I think they're going to win this game. Uh, that's that's who I'm going to lean toward Uh, you know I'll be surprised if uh, Southern Cal shows up and gets all these little issues fixed that they're experiencing right now um, and they need to get them fixed Uh, you know Lincoln needs to crank it up but I like I said I just got a little bit of doubt. Um, nothing against Lincoln. Like I said, I think he's a great strategist. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you look at the defense, and you look, and you look at the team overall, just from a motivational standpoint. I think Washington's gonna gonna win the game.
0: Yeah, that that defense, you know, I think that's going to be the challenge for for Lincoln. Like we all know, he's a great offensive mind. He's had he's got a proven track record. You know, wherever he goes, he's going to be able to put up points and put up big numbers offensively, you know. The, I think the question is that's kind of haunting him right now is how does he maintain that offense but also find a way to play great defense and if he can ever put that together, good, you know, good luck to to people, because that would be a pretty potent combination. But yeah. I mean, you just look at them. I mean, they're giving up 40 points a week. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I think they'll score. I think they'll have some success, but um, they're just going to give up too many points. So that that's I agree with you, Coach Bubba. What do you think on this one?
1: Of the five games we're picking, this is the one I spent the least time thinking about and really didn't think about it. Um, I, I just right off the bat, give me University of Washington. Um, I watched Southern Cal early in the season, you know, really felt like they were very bad, or, or, you know, fr- kind of frauds defensively and not going to be a contender as far as the college football playoff. Uh, I took the points when when they traveled to Colorado, and Colorado certainly uh, you know proved me right there. What came back and lost forty nine thirty eight or something like that, and then um, you saw USC when they went to Notre Dame I, with that you know any hesitation. I took the Fighting Irish. I thought they would win that game by two plus touchdowns, which they did. So uh, I think. I don't necessarily think it will be that lopsided, because I don't I don't think Washington plays the type of defense Notre Dame does. But I, I I do think Washington will win this one comfortably, probably by you know at least ten, if not uh, two touchdowns plus.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and uh, you know I I think I think we all see the same thing with this one. We're, we definitely see the same thing here. But uh, looks like we have some comments up there. Uh, What does Stevie Stevie say, Bubba? Why, yeah, Stevie echoes our thoughts. Washington wins, no defense at USC, and yeah, I mean that that's that's the challenge. And there's no reason why USC can't play good defense. I mean they they should be able to get the players to do that. So hopefully, Lincoln can. So I yeah, I saw this comment from Norm, and well, Norm, I don't think we're ganging up on him at all. I think I think I'm just kind of stating the obvious i think he's a really brilliant offensive mind uh but you know you gotta you gotta you you know you win big games in all facets you know offense defense special teams and right now i'm just not seeing it so emmanuel washington curb stomps them so yeah there you go appreciate all the comments from everybody um What do we have next, Bubba? Did we cover them all? Did we hit them all?
1: That's them all. Um, And then so now let's take a look at East Carolina and Tulane. Uh, You have Tulane 21st in the AP and coaches polls. They're 24th in the college football playoff poll. Um, Obviously, that initial poll was revealed last night. And the Green Wave uh, are currently a 17-point favorite over our Pirates.
0: Hmm. Coach, I'll kind of kick this one over to you. You know, I mean, um, you know, obviously it's been a a very, very difficult year for ECU at one and seven. Um, you know, I think that I didn't expect them to have an incredible year, but I thought they'd win five or six games. You know, and to be here, it's obviously very frustrating. And then conversely, you have Tulane coming in you know, number 23 in the country at seven and one. So you have two teams here that seem to be going completely in the wrong direction. Uh, What what are your thoughts on this game? I don't know how much you want to get into a coach, but if, if you want to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
2: I'm a big Blake Harrell fan. Uh, I love, I love the kind of defense that he plays. What I don't love about it, I guess, is the fact that the defense will give up big plays times because they get caught making mistakes in the back end or uh, maybe not having Allen in the back end to play as well as you need to play when you're going to do the things that they do to stop the run. I love the fact that they've prioritized stopping the run, and I think they do a great job of that. I think they're usually gap sound. I think they're physical. And I think they've recruited some guys up front. uh, that get the job done and play physical. And uh, so, I mean, those are the things that I like about East Carolina football this year. Okay. So, uh, the defense gives you a chance to win, and the defense actually puts points on the board uh, to an extent. At well from t- yeah, as well from time to time. Um, <clears throat> and of course, if you're going to leave them out there the whole game, uh, which was the case times this year, I don't know. Not too long ago, I think the other the other team had the like forty some minutes. <laughs> Uh, possession time. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, <clears throat> two years ago uh, when Tulane was here, as I remember, that quarterback had a very bad day. Mm. Uh, would you concur with that, Bubba? Maybe Bubba's not here anymore. <laughs> I mean, Bubba, I think Bubba, you,
0: Bubba, you're on mute. If, if uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you can't comment. I think you're right about that, though. If I recall correctly, Coach, I yeah, think he did so, have rough that. Yeah.
2: What I remembered from watching that game, because I was at the game, is like I'm thinking this quarterback's supposed to be pretty good, but I thought he looked frail, and I thought defense was hammering him pretty good, and I thought he got shook up. Hmm. And that's another thing I like about Blake Harrell is uh, kind of, you may not like Buddy Ryan or you might like Buddy Ryan, but Buddy Ryan liked to get that quarterback shook up. <laughs> and no uh, doubt about that. Where he would make mistakes. So I, I think this quarterback, you know, they talk a lot about him and his talent, and he's proven himself over the years, uh, of course. Uh, had a great year last year, I guess, you know, overall. And then they, they beat ECU last year, what, 24 to something? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's the chance that I think that ECU has, you know, looking at let the last game, okay, the offense seemed to improve some. Um, at the same time, they didn't have great consistency, yeah, had so much pressure on the quarterback. I'm not too sure. Uh, I haven't watched Tulane many times. Uh, I, last week, the game against Rice got to be pretty close at the end, and, and I guess Tulane could have scored another touchdown at the end, not to make it was so close. If you – Uh, What alerts me is how Tulane's coach is not happy. Mm. He's talking about they haven't played a good game yet. They haven't played up to their potential yet. And so he's cranking it up for this game with his team because he's challenging them to play a great game, all three phases, Because he's not been happy with their team as far as what they potentially can be. They're going to be talking about. Will they be prepared for the defense? You know, and I had Holt Naylor's on. I want to mention that. And, you know, we went through all kinds of reads. We went through all kinds of different defenses that he's played over the years and so forth. What the difference is from collegiate to NFL. And what Holton talked about was, in practice, the toughest defense to go against was Blake Harrell's defense.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
2: And because of the fact that Navy plays that same defense, they had problems with Navy last year. Hmm. So that's another feather in the cap uh, for Blake Harrell, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm thinking that, okay, potentially this quarterback – they can hit him in the mouth. They can pressure him. They can stop the run. If they can do that, they'll have a chance. But they're going to have to to score more points. You know, if you want to yeah. beat Tulane, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, you're going to have to score at least 24 points, maybe 31 points. I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. it also depends on how well we play on defense. So – I think, I think ECU has an opportunity play them, playing them at home. Uh, maybe they can crank it up emotionally. I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. Uh, what is it? Uh, Military Day?
0: I believe so. I, Bubba, is it Military Day? Day? Yeah.
2: Military Appreciation Day, I think, usually gets a pretty good crowd, as I remember. Mm. Uh, one of the last, you know, you left so you're thinking that you know you're going to have a pretty good pretty good showing with the crowd um if you see you can win this game um that's going to put a little bit different perspective on the head coach as far as what he's been dealing with lately um you know i've got my own opinions to myself at this point but uh So that's kind of, those are kind of my thoughts.
0: Yeah, it's great perspective. I mean, that's perspective that, you know, you, you only get from a coach. So uh, that's awesome perspective. I mean, I agree. I really like Blake Harrell's defense. Like if, if I was a player, you know, and had the opportunity to go to East Carolina, especially defensively, that's an awesome system to play in because he's, He's, you know, he he's kind of, he, he's got some very unusual alignment uh, strategies that he uses, you know, a lot of pre-snap movement, a lot of, you know, he's trying to bring pressure from different angles. So I, I agree. I think it's a great defense for, for East Carolina. Uh, hopefully that defense can, you know, I think at times they get a little discouraged because the offense has been so uh, abysmal, you know, at times this year. And, the defense feels like they have to, you know, win games by themselves sometimes. And um, the, really, like what I'd like to see from this East Carolina team is I'd like to see a complete performance where the defense plays great, the offense plays great, and then special teams, you know, no missed field goals, no block punts. I mean, I think that's that's kind of like when I watch these guys play, I think the issue is it's like you, you plug one hole in the dam and then another hole opens. It seems like every week it's something new. If it's not, you know, one week it's a missed field goal. The next week it's, you know, you're giving up big plays defensively. And then the next week you're throwing interceptions on offense and, you know, throwing a pick six. And it just seems like, it seems like they can't, or they haven't been able to put together a complete game this year. Um, So it's going to be tough, you know, and, you know, I, the quarterback for Tulane. I know uh, last night we actually had to get the, a guest on from Tulane, Corey Glore. And uh, they run the ball 60% of the time down there. I think what makes him really effective is when they run the ball. Well, he, they go play action off of that. And they're really good. They're really, really good at that. Put a lot of stress on the defense. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pick a, you know, uh, uh I'm not going to pick the spread on this one, but I'm just going to say if East Carolina is going to stay in the game, they're going to have to play a complete game and, yeah, all areas. Um, so it's it's going to be tough, but Bubba, what do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, I, I won't pick the game either against the spread. I will say that, you know, if I was a betting man, then I think I would probably stay away from this one. Uh, you guys have. Made points. Why this one could could go either way. And in Tulane, I want to say, is averaging about 30 points a game. However, like you just said, you know they 60 percent run, uh, approximately 40 percent pass. Obviously, we're very good at stopping the run, and so the, and that obviously bodes well for us in this matchup. But uh, you know, based on what we've seen, and yes, it was a step forward last week offensively. But even so you know until that touchdown in the final 30 to 60 seconds of the game we had still just scored 13 points offensively because you had the pick six factored in there so but let's say even you you do uh, consider that uh, final touchdown that's still only 20 offensive points and that's the most that we scored all year against an FBS opponent i just don't see us being able to score enough points against a, a Tulane defense It does a Excellent job of making the opposition uh, one-dimensional. Um, opponents are just rushing for 79 yards per game. As you know, we've struggled to struggled to block, period, um, you know, whether it's pass pro or um, creating holes for Rajay, Gerald Green, and uh, Marlon Gunn. And then um, good news is Javius Bond will be back this week. Uh, I, I I just see this one last year it was twenty four to nine I could see this being right now it's a seventeen point line I could see this being a push I could see it being twenty seven to ten or hmm. or um, something of that nature or maybe a slight cover by Tulane thirty one thirteen I, I just don't see us being able to score enough and I think if we are going to win I'm right there uh, with Coach C that we're going to have to score the most offensive points we've had all season. So uh, maybe you get 24 offensive points and then you get another defensive touchdown.
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh... oh, I'll go ahead,
2: coach. I was going to say, I've got a couple friends on staff. I might have dinner with uh, tomorrow night. I think we still have to finalize a couple plans, but, uh, or, maybe not dinner, just meet with them at the hotel, but, uh, Kurt Hester their strength coach. I've known him for a long time. I used to bring him into Carolina when we do, uh, clinics, did a great job with speed development. He's kicked around. He was Skip Holtz's, uh, strength coach. Uh, and then when they got let go, he landed at Tulane and then, uh, who's, uh, Uh, several-degree black belt sensei. I used to bring him into Carolina um, for hand techniques, hand quickness and hand techniques for offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, So I guess what I'm saying there is behind the scenes, they've got a few strong people there as well, uh, both from a motivational standpoint and a developmental standpoint that I think are doing a good job that I'm familiar with. I'll probably get a little bit more insight tomorrow night if I sit down with those guys. But, uh,
0: coach, take them out for a little Italian cuisine. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little penne alla vodka, some meatballs. Uh,
2: yeah, I'll get them out to Nino's. A little bit of wine, maybe I will get a little bit of information out of
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know, for anybody listening uh, to this show, Coach Connors is a. I'll just say he loves Italian food. He loves That's it. Right. He's got a. He's got an appreciation for it. So uh yeah, you get yes, yeah, feed those guys a few bottles of wine. Let's get some intel. <laughs> you know. Uh but uh yeah, I mean my my final thought on this one, like if I'm if I'm East Carolina, if I'm Mike Houston, like I wanna I wanna play the role of the, the wounded animal, you know, and like embrace the underdog, em- embrace the 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 fact that nobody on the planet is picking you to win. Um, you have nothing to lose really. If you're East Carolina, you know, you're sitting at one and seven, you have a ranked team coming in, you know, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So I would, I would really play that up this week in practice. I would em- embrace that role and just try to have a team, you know, a very emotional team that's, that's ready to go, you know, for four quarters. And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that, coach? You know, just the type of mentality going into this if you're East Carolina.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, if you look, I guess if you look at the fourth fourth quarter score this year or how how they've done toward the end of the games or. I mean, it's not that favorable, so this is one area where they can improve upon. Uh, I don't know what the strategy would it would have been this week or whatever, but finishing, uh, come out the second half, play harder than you did the first half. Uh, you know, I had all those things that I kept track of with you guys with, uh, if somebody's going to bend over, if somebody's going to go out of the game, uh, what the score was in the fourth quarter. You know, I had all kinds of awards and t-shirts and, you know, it was a bit, it was a big, uh, secret, you know, mm. we didn't have the, Quarter flag and the video and all that stuff, which I don't like that stuff because I wanted to sneak up on somebody. Like we were over there talking yeah. among ourselves. Hey guys, take a look at them out there. They're bending over. Uh, we're starting to, we're starting to cut. If we were down, it was like, okay, we're coming back now. We're doing better physically with these guys. We're tasting blood right now. Let's go yeah. in for the kill. And but instead, you get this flag going up, the video, the other side's probably talking about, hey, wait a second, man. You know, who do these guys think they're going to do beating the fourth quarter? You know, it's, it's more like yeah. a wake up call for the other team for me.
0: Right, right.
2: You know, and, and I'm sorry, you know, the, the no quarter is a great thing, the flags and everything. Hey, it's great for the fans, but I just want to sneak up on somebody, you know.
0: I hear you. I know that's a good point. I never actually thought of that. I know ne- I never actually thought of that, but it makes a lot of sense. Definitely from a, from like a coaching perspective, I get it. So I think that's a really good point, but, uh, you know, yeah, I
2: mean, I, I, I love nothing more when somebody would come up, up and said, look out there, they're bending over, just like you said, they would, they, Hey, that guy just went off the field. He's done. Uh, you know I mean? All that kind of stuff, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're running off the field. They're walking off the field. I mean, just little things like that make a difference, you know. Uh, I just think all that stuff builds an awareness to your team on how to finish. You know, you we had fourth quarter goals that we awarded people for, and we recognized those every week, and that brought an awareness toward, hey, we will be a fourth quarter team because that's how important it is to us because I'm going to get this T-shirt. I'm going to wear this t-shirt all week because it signifies that we won in the fourth quarter and I did my job. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, hey, we didn't have any, uh, NIL money, but we had some t-shirts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, oh, it's well, no, you, I, I remember, I mean, that was a point you stressed every week was, uh, winning in the fourth quarter. You know, the, the entire staff, you know, really was uh, focused on that. And that's yeah. an area where you had a lot of success um, as a, as a strength and conditioning coach. I mean, your teams were ready to go in the fourth quarter. So um, hopefully we can see, hopefully this is the week that we start to see that, yeah. you know, from, from East Carolina, it's now or never. So it's gotta be soon, you know, but uh Bubba, any final thoughts on that game? And then I just – before we move on, I just have one or two more questions for Coach. And uh, I know it's getting a little late, so we'll get you guys out of here. But any any final thoughts on that, Bubba? Uh,
1: The only thing I would say, I mentioned Javius Bond, uh, hopefully making his return. So, uh, hopefully, between he and then Gerald Green, you know, had a nice run or two in that second half against UTSA. I believe our longest run from scrimmage, 45 or 46 yards. So uh, hopefully we'll see some, some plays from them, Um, you know, maybe not even necessarily in the ground game, um, but it would be nice to, uh, you know, get Javius Bond the ball in space and have him make a play or two. And, and, you know, when we, when we do, had those opportunities just have to cash in, um, l- the way we failed to last time we were at home against Charlotte.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Those are, those are great points. And hopefully bond is, you know, with his speed, hopefully he's healthy and he can, you know, bring some to the, some, some big play, you know, explosive type play to this offense, which they need. Cause they, that's one area where they're really lacking is, you know, just explosive plays, but, uh, you know so we'll see but uh you know coach final final question i had for you and i know it's getting late bubba sounds like he's like on his deathbed over there he's getting sicker by the minute <laughs> uh, Hello.
1: yeah that's what uh been battling uh, a bit of a cough the last couple of weeks and you know lost my voice here in the last 24 hours
0: yeah you got to get some you got to get some nyquil going buddy but uh coach you know wanted to ask you your thoughts you know i i think i have a feeling i know what you're going to say um because you know i think both of us are kind of college football traditionalists you know we we just have we love the game but this new nil you know i think it's really it's just changing everything it's changing the way coaches recruit it's changing the type of athletes you can get, like specifically as it relates to East Carolina. It's an uphill battle. Just in general, like what are your thoughts on this NIL? Do you think it's good for the game? Do you, do you would you like to see it sort of, uh, I guess, eradicated from college sports? I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think we went from such a, of one extreme to the other so fast, it just doesn't make any sense to me. We couldn't even buy a player a meal. Uh, we had to worry about, oh God, is it going to be an NCAA violation if we buy this kid a hamburger? Mm. Uh, or you know, what are, what are we allowed to give them as far as recognition awards? I mean, you know, all these these things that we had to think about because we you know we we didn't want to do something and all these very strict rules about that, what, what a kid could get. And so, uh, all of a sudden now, and and I don't even know all the ins and outs of this deal, you know, because I got out before all this started happening. You know, I,
0: I don't even think the NCAA does either. So don't feel bad. (laughs) Well, I don't think they know what they're doing either.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, Okay, you get you get these kids that come into your program from somewhere else. First of all, you assume that they want to work hard. You assume they're going to have great character. You want to you want to assume that, or you wouldn't. You know, the, the coaching staff would not have taken them. But you also have the need for talent, and so you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, I guess what I'd be wondering about is. That, Is this kid going to say to me, okay, hey, I'm I'm making a million dollars. I can't afford to do power cleans today because I might injure my back or, you know, who knows. Right. But the thought process might be there. Uh, The jealousy within the team, of course, that's the first thing that came to my mind is like, okay, I'm working my tail off. This guy doesn't work as hard as me. He's not showing up for this or that. Nobody says anything to him. You know, I feel like this is unfair. Why is this guy being treated differently than somebody else? Mm-hmm. Or why does he deserve to make so much more money than me? You know, I mean, you got all that kind of stuff going on. Then of course if somebody is unhappy you know they're they're gonna be thinking that's the first thing they're going to think about is I got to get out of here I'm not getting enough playing time so I'm my head's not in it anymore I, you might even have people that become locker room lawyers mm-hmm. all you got to do is lose some games that's why and I, I'm concerned okay it seems like uh, the coaches still um, have it seems like they haven't lost the team at ECU. But you got to be careful, you know, because you know you're going to start losing people. You're going to have people murmuring um, if you if you keep losing games, and that's that's very hard to avoid. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody is going to start murmuring, and 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 that's the worst thing that can happen on a team, right there. You know, when when you have those things that are hurting you from the inside out. Uh, So I don't think it's a good thing. In my interview with Steve Logan, of course, he talked about how we had to develop guys. Mm -hmm. In one of my podcasts recently, uh, I think when I had a podcast, I had Mike Gentry on and I talked about, Hey Mike, guess what? Steve let me do. Um, We had our freshmen. We wanted to try to red shirt everybody. And Steve said, what kind of strength program do you want with these guys to develop then, them in season? I said, coach, I want a 16 week program. I want to train six days a week. And so I had those guys in the developmental group while the other guys were in meetings. I had those guys for like an hour, hour and a half before practice lift. We did an off season program six days a week. Yeah. I split, I split body parts. And, I mean, we got strong. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're talking about a 16-week training cycle. And I, I really think that that helped to contribute the way that we, the way we handled that red shirt year, helped us to develop guys who's a two-star, become a three-star, a four-star guy. And by the time they were a senior, you know, and you can talk about Lamont Barnes, you can talk about Dwayne Ledford, you can, you can name all kinds of guys. Uh, that, you know, you can talk about, came in at 190 pounds, you know, got up to 240 and was, you know, murdering people his senior year. Uh, And, I mean, you know, uh, that made a big difference for us. And what Steve was saying is, hey, Jeff, just imagine those guys that we developed when they got their senior year. They, They checked out on us because, you know, they could go make money. Right. Right. So, at East Carolina, you got to develop people. It's going to be tough for you to recruit four- and five-star guys at East Carolina. If you don't have the opportunity to develop people, keep people in the boat. We're going to keep them in the boat if you win. And that's the concern now. Again, you know, with all the other concerns of losing – that's also, I think, an additional concern at a higher level. You know, this whole thing with portal and NIL, but I think it's particularly a, a concern when the wheels start falling off. Mm, no so, doubt. Uh, and that's my opinion based on what I've seen over the years. Uh, things can become very fragile. And, uh, once you know a team starts that murmuring, and believe me, I've seen it. And you know, I saw it the last two that I was at ECU. You know, I mean yeah. that's that's how that's that's what happens. Uh so
0: yeah, no, I hear you. That. It's you know, it's just amazing, you know, like when we when we were coming up, you know, you think back to the eighties with SMU and you know, all the stuff they got caught you know paying players and whatnot and that program you know you you remember they got the death penalty i mean that that program was was gone they were erased and now here we are what you know 30 some years later and you know you you you're basically saying like you hear coaches use the term we need to go out and buy some players like that's a that's become a common term in college football we need to go out and buy some players and i i hate that as as a As a college football traditionalist, I hate it. I really do. I think it's bad for the game. I think what they're slowly doing is turning college football into professional sports. And um, I I just hate it. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I I hate that players, they, you know, they want everything now. You know, like back in the day, you know, you redshirt, you worked your ass off and you waited your turn. But now it's like if you don't play your first year, guess what? I'm going to go into the portal. I think it's too easy for guys, you know, um, to just to just basically find another way out. Um, And and I just think the NCAA, I think they've lost all control. I really do. Like they got to find a way to set some parameters and rein this back in because you just wonder what the game is going to look like 10 years from now. I mean, you're going to have well, players making more than than coaches, and uh, I'm sure that's already happening in some cases
2: now. Well, they went completely off the chain. You know, I mean, it should have been like, okay, everybody gets a little base money because I'm all for these guys getting paid. Yeah. You know, especially the guys had anything, and their families mm-hmm. never had anything, and they they were some of them were worried about how to get you know, how to still help at home while they were in school because their families were so far bad off financially. So I I think getting paid is good, but why wouldn't there be like some form of a base pay for everybody coming in as a freshman? As you progress through your career, you earn more money Just like when you put, when you accomplish things, and you get that star, or hatchet, or whatever on your helmet, you you should get money based on your performance, based on your longevity in the program. Mm -hmm. I mean, why wasn't there some thought given to that? I mean, why would you just say this is carte blanche, baby? You know, it's, we got to raise two million dollars to keep this quarterback here. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, here's the thing. I, I wonder, like, who is paying this money? I right. Mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take money away from my family, my business, whatever, to support this player, and I don't even know if he's going to stay here. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't know.
0: I, I agree. I mean, it's scary. And you just wonder where it's all going to go. Uh, you know, I just I, I I fear for, you know, the East Carolinas of the world. And, I, you know, how, how do you keep up? I mean, when you look at look at these Big Ten schools, like the big the new TV contract in the Big Ten is like 80 million dollars per year per school, you know, and then you look at East Carolina. I mean, we're making like roughly seven million per year in our conference, and the, the difference is so astronomical, you know, we're just trying to get an indoor practice facility built here. And, you know, now all of a sudden the game has changed to the point where we have to pay players. And it, it's, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too, you know, too deep down this rabbit hole, but like it, it's, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, it's kind of scary, but um, I appreciate, appreciate your thoughts on well, that coach. And
2: I mean, can you imagine a Sunday meeting, Rather than giving out those shirts, we said, "Here's this guy. He led the team in tackles this week. Here's a check for five thousand dollars." <laughs> 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 who would want? Who wants to lead in tackles next week? Yeah, right. You know, wow. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I hear you. It's uh, it's crazy. You know, I have a feeling that five thousand dollar check might not last the night. In Greenville, yeah. you know that that would uh, would would be spread around hopefully to the whole team. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, it's crazy. But uh, you know, coach, I know uh, I know I've kept you here for an hour and a half. Uh, really appreciate it. You know, really appreciate your thoughts and uh, you know, uh, uh, if anybody hasn't had an opportunity to listen to your program, your podcast is called Absolute Empowerment. It's uh, it's great. You've had some awesome guests on. You guys cover some really good topics. Uh, I really enjoyed the one you mentioned earlier recently with Holton Nailers. I thought that was a great conversation. Um, so I encourage everybody, you know, check out uh, Absolute Empowerment with Coach C. It's uh, if if you're trying to find that, just go to the Sports Objective page on YouTube, or you can follow us right here on the, you know Facebook. As well, but uh, definitely encourage people to check out that show and um, you know, coach, uh, any final thoughts, man? I want to get you out of here. I, you know, it's getting kind of late.
2: Well, no, I, I love this stuff, man. I, I still love ECU, brother. Yeah, I always will, but uh,
0: absolutely. There's my guy. So, you had bays okay, on this week,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. So, here's what I'll say in closing uh, John McMillan. Who used to come to all our games in the 90s with Danny Bersini. Danny Bersini had the elbow room many years ago, and John was the manager of the elbow room, and those guys came to all our games in the 90s. Uh, John takes me to the games, which I really appreciate at club level. Nice. Uh, This week, week, you know, I I used to be uh, on the board, I guess, for Riley's Army. Uh, this week, we're going to take a young man to the game. Uh, he's battling cancer. He's 14 years old. Uh, he'll be in a wheelchair. His name is Kaysen. Uh, if you see us, please come talk to Kaysen. Shake his hand. Introduce yourself. Uh, tell him you're glad to see him. We want him to have a great day. So that's what we're going to be focused on on Saturday.
0: That's awesome, Coach. Really, really uh, love to hear that. I hope that young man has a great time and, uh, you know, enjoys the game. Really, really uh, love to hear that stuff. So uh, certainly uh, a great experience for him. And really quick, what's up with Baze's haircut there? Can we get that back up? on I got to make fun of my my man Baze here. <laughs> what's up with that? That's an old school picture. I So this is like circa 1997. Baze was going with the. Uh, Jerry Curl. Called- the Caesar cut, you know? So yeah, <laughs> just kidding, base, just kidding, man. But uh, I know you coach, you had uh, interviewed uh, Andrew earlier this week, so everybody can check that out. Um, that's, yeah. That, uh, was a,
2: that was a great interview.
0: Awesome. And that one is uh, it's up on uh, our YouTube channel now, if anybody wants to go back and check that out. So appreciate that coach. And uh, you know, Hey, with that said, Like I said, I kept you here for an hour and a half and, and, uh, you know, I have a feeling like we go, we could probably keep talking for another three hours, but, um, definitely Bubba put up on the screen here. Come say hello to 14 year old Kaysen on Saturday afternoon, pirate nation. That's awesome. So, uh,
2: spell his name with a K
0: with a K. Okay. Kaysen with a K. So we appreciate you (laughs) Kaysen. Yeah. And, uh, so with that said, I wanted to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Hopefully the Pirates can, uh, you know, represent on Saturday and get a big time win. And with that said, Coach, I'm going to get you out of here. Appreciate you. And uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Have a great night. Yes, sir. Take care. Yep. I'm good.